are joined by a pound stretcher Joe Rogan in the shape of... <laughs> We okay? I've got Gimli from Wish over here <laughs> <laughs> calling me a pound stretcher Joe Rogan. That's no good. This is going to be a spicy one. <laughs> Tell us, mate, how the hell does one get into comedy? Do you know what? By accident, you got to find out who you are on stage. What what makes you laugh uh, and how you can be the most natural form of you or the most extreme form of you. And it's, it's kind of, it's so personal. But um, I'm squeamish. That is weird. I, yeah. I, I'm terrible with blood. My kid, we went up, <laughs> I think it was her birthday. It was her seventh birthday. And we got her a, a new scooter. So she was scooting around doing doing all that stuff. And again, she, she just fell off it. And she just sort of grazed her face, bumped her lip, grazed her knee, that sort of thing. I had to turn around. <laughs> and look at my wife and go, you got, you got to do this. <laughs> you got to do this. Yeah. Can we cut, we can't I, cut this. I don't think that's that bad. No, it's, we do miss her though. We do miss her. <laughs> <laughs> we do miss her. Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Josh. And welcome back to the Breaking Bread podcast, where this week we have a man called Brian. Which is, uh, what's that, George? What was I going for? Come on, say it. Oh, fuck's sake, man. I was doing uh, Alex Turner from Arctic Monkeys, you know, Brian Storm, the song. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shut the fuck up, man. This week, in short, we are joined by a pound stretcher Joe Rogan in the shape of... (laughs) (laughs) That's how we're starting. (laughs) You said that was going to be okay. That's how we're starting. You said that was going to be okay. I've got Gimli from Wish over here (laughs) (laughs) calling me a pound stretcher Joe Rogan. That's no good. This is going to be a spicy one. (laughs) Woo! Yeah, we're joined uh, by uh, Brian Lacey. (laughs) Grace is with his presence. Uh, how are you doing today, Brian? It's nice to meet you. Let's, let's, let's button that. Let's that was going to be, it's my left hand. That's, you're good, you're good. You We're picked a good, good side to be on there. Mate, thanks for coming down. It is coming up, actually. Well, actually yeah, that's yeah, right. Up. From south to uh, the glorious north. It's good to be back, mate. Where, where did you come from? Uh, so Hampshire, down near uh, Farnborough, that way. Sounds nice. Not it's, big fan of the south in nice, general. It's but not, it's, that's not that the, nice. The rural areas of the south generally are all right. I just, I just don't like London. Well, we've covered that. We'll quickly introduce who Brian is to the audience. Brian is a comedian, professional TV presenter-ish, and uh, an MMA commentator. Yeah, I'd say that's like a, yeah. a well-rounded... Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. A Swiss army knife of, uh, <laughs> of camera-based action. And it. a little bit of background, Brian and I have worked together a, a bunch of times, haven't we, on a few different little bits of... We know each other from the MMA scene, so I'm excited to sort of get it, into this with, with you, Brian. It's always great on my phone when the name Josh Goodgen pops up, because you never know what you're going to get offered. So you never know what's going to happen. step up on me because he's not even saved in my <laughs> I just get the number. I'm like, who the fuck is that? Like, Mrs. Bean answers. Oh my God. <laughs> that's, no, that's no joke. That's actually. Right. I ring him and like Lindsay will answer and she's like, hello. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, where's Adam? <laughs> and he's like, my secretary. But I, get, I get it because I listened to the movie uh, episode on the drive up here today and you two are so incompatible. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely no reason you should be in the same room, yet alone breathing the same air. Talking about the same films. That's true, that, actually, isn't it? We Jackass. Like- <laughs> Jackass is one of your top 10 films ever. What, do you like it? Do you- I, I, yeah, I love it, but I would never class it as a film, and I'd never put it up there with the likes of you know where it some is? of the great movie greats. Brian, you put yourself out there on a podcast, don't you? You open you t- yourself up to an audience. Don't get He's going to cry in and a I'm minute. I'm just telling you, this is like, from the heart, I enjoy that shit. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> from the heart. The best comment was where they said that, Adam is an old man in the young man's... What, what was an the- old man in a child's body, and yeah. Josh is a child in an old man's body. And given his stature, it looks like he's a child as well. <laughs> but we'll start off again with the YouTube comment segment. So can we ro- roll the, uh, the jingle? It's time for a YouTube comment from you. All 
right, so in the spirit of that episode that you just referenced, uh, we actually got a pretty good comment off the back of it. We, we had nothing but positive comments, to be fair. And again, off that one, uh, Sam Makari said, uh, this was not the episode to watch while chopping onions. I was crying, laughing, tears of fire. <laughs> so That's a lyric from a, a song or something, isn't it? Do people still think you can buy chopped onions now, Sam? Do you know that? I, I saw some in the... I don't know, Waitrose, wherever I shopped. No, I don't shop at Waitrose. <laughs> in Tesco, I saw some the other day. Chopped, pre-chopped. Seems a bit pointless, but you can get them. He's, did you see him roll his eyes about Waitrose? Like he's, he's still trying to be a man of the people. That's pre-chopped. That's hilarious. That's great. You know there's no Waitrose within 20 miles of me. Right, so we've, we've obviously listed your... Um, what, in, in sort of three words there, you're a comedian, presenter, and an MMA commentator, but you're also... A Brazilian jiu-jitsu blue belt. That's right. Oh, Not only you that, guys right. can have a dick measuring contest. Go and get them get out. Get out. Put it on the table. <laughs> so I want to ask first question. This is not about your career, but did you see that um, Tom Hardy, Bane, the actual Tom Hardy, competed <laughs> this weekend in jiu-jitsu? I didn't know. I've seen him train. I know he's trained with a few people. Um, now, so. he is he, probably a similar age to you. I'd say a similar weight class. Okay. Oh, this is what we call it. Right. Now. So you could, this, was, this could have been your opportunity to take on Bane, be the real life Batman and show him what for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you, but I heard that he did quite well at this. Uh, not that I'm saying your skills are not equal, but uh, <laughs> I heard he did quite well at the contest. At the con- what contest. did he do? How he got fucking do? double gold. You're joking. Honestly, mate, he smashed everyone to pieces. Oh, mate, no chance. Could then. you imagine stepping onto the mats and you've got fucking Bane looking at you? That, you know Bronson what? with his dick out. Lad, that That's like you on a morning. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, George jo- says I'm the cra- crazy frog. Make your mind up. Uh, that would be like, I mean, I, I can't do BJJ. At any belt level, do you get white by default? Mm. Yeah. You, oh well, I'm a white go. belt. Then. There you go. Yeah. Um, but that would actually be ideal for me because uh, Mrs. Beard's love of Tom Hardy is sickening. Yeah. So if I was to face, if I were to face off with him, that would be, I think that would I think I'm not a violent man, but if anything is going to stalk it up in me, <laughs> I'd Tom Hardy across. I'd be like, yeah, I know you've been in warrior, mate. I, I saw it. I saw it. But I, I, I'd get fucking. Could you imagine? Pencil, probably. <laughs> yeah, you definitely would. But could you imagine when you get home, Mrs. Beard just going, don't shower. <laughs> <laughs> don't shower, stay exactly as you are and come upstairs. Just lay still, let me just smell you for a bit. Come here. Yeah, I, I don't need to. That would, that's how it would go, I think. <laughs> So yeah, you need to get on Instagram or TikTok and, and have a look. A call at that. out, Honestly, call out. Yeah, yeah, it's great though, right? You see all these people. Russell Brand's training jujitsu yeah. now. So he's blue belt. Um, uh, who's the guy from that '70s show? Uh, Ashton Kutcher. He's a brown belt or a black wow. belt now. Crazy. Crazy. It? Crazy. It's great. I've still, I've still got a real issue with brown belt. <sighs> they could have had a, you know what I mean? It just that's a shit color, isn't it? Why? It, for a belt, it's just like nobody has brown belts today. You know what I mean? Like especially <laughs> against, against like a white gi. You know, maybe if it was a whole outfit, like if you had like a. I don't know, kind of like an earthy coloured gi and you were going for that effect. Is it, it's called the gi, right? The suit? Yeah, yeah, yes. right. The, 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 the pyjamas. I'm on it. I mean, yeah. Um, but like, it just looks a bit naff. Like black looks intimidating. Even red. Is there a red belt? No, the coral belt. There's like, a coral belt So many of a word, right? So let's let's retire the brown belt. Red, it's like a crimson red. That's my two pair. Anyway. I just the, got an issue the, with the, it. The journey of the belt is supposed to be from white to black. So it's as you wear your white belt till it turns black. So it goes through uh, the stages. But I do get what you're saying when you say I'm a brown belt. It's uh, I suppose brown's a clo- grey belt, maybe. Could do. That sounds like some kind of part of rural land that you can't touch to develop on, doesn't it? Grey belts. Don't give me a pity laugh. Just you're a comedian. <laughs> well, speaking well, speaking of comedian, then Brian, come on. Tell us, mate, how the hell does one get into comedy? 
Do you know what? By accident, yeah. that is totally the, the the way it happened with me. I was uh, I did a job for about five years, which I, I you know I just I just did it. Just earned lots of money. Just did it. Woke up every day and just did this sales job. Earned lots of money, and then one day I kind of went, I don't want to do this anymore. So I just stopped, saved up enough money, and uh, gave myself sort of six months to think, what do I want to do next? And during those six months, I lived in London, and there's loads of open mic nights. So I thought I'd just try watching a few go out on my own and then bit by bit I was like I can have a little go at this and then they start paying you money stupidly so uh so yeah it was it was kind of by accident same with the commentary it's all a hobby just started it as a little passion project and it's, it's it turned into a job so 17 did, 18 years now I've been doing it yeah yeah so did you not do any sort of like formal training like you didn't go to like drama school or like stage school or I was I did acting so I did oh, that right, beforehand okay. <laughs> all right no no yeah, but like, like it like makes it took sense a sneaky route no, back. no no it makes yeah. sense to like to go from like just being a salesperson into like comedy, that's that's drastic. If you've yeah, done a big jump, if you've done nothing in the in the past, yeah. Was yeah. that acting like a like what was that like a, a like a college thing or like an, an earlier age? Basically? Yeah, degree basically. Yeah, did, did, did a college, oh, then wow. I went to university uh, and came out. And the, all, the only parts I'd get were musicals. So I was on stage singing. Fail to see the problem. That would be amazing. No, oh my God. But I, I was stood up there once. I did, a, did a, music, a rock and roll musical where I played Ricky Nelson, the guy who sang Hello, Mary Lou. Yeah. Yeah. And he died in a tragic plane crash. He was doing a lot of cocaine in the plane <laughs> at the time. Um, was he the plane? <laughs> well, he was feeding the pilot some of the stuff. <laughs> uh, and uh, I was doing this thing. I was in front of three and a half thousand people. Like, and they were on their feet, they were going crazy. And I remember just being up there and they said like a real moment where I kind of went, I'm not supposed to be here. Somebody else that would really like to do this should be here. So I, I, I finished that tour and I, I never did it again. So Whoa, I yeah. thought you were going to say like, you know, you'd performed three and a half thousand people all cheering. No, I saw everyone having a great time. I saw everybody around me having the most amazing, and they wanted to be there. Like this was their dream yeah. on a big theater, three and a half thousand people going crazy at the, in the finale. And I was like, somebody else should be doing this. And that was kind of me. And so I, I stepped away and I stopped doing That's it. That's some yeah. ballsy move, that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like if, if you don't know, you don't know, right? I moved straight back home and mum hated it. That was, that was <laughs> so how old are you at this point? I would have been about 25, 26 years old. So yeah. So, um, and then did the, the, maybe even a bit younger, just in fact, straight out of drama school. So 23, 24. Um, yeah. And then it was a case, did the sales job and it just, just gave me money. Yeah. Just great. Just did it. Uh, and then all of a sudden I was like, I don't want to wake up in a travel lodge, not knowing which city I'm in or selling training anymore. So took the leap, moved back to London, loved it, had an amazing time. And then six months after that, I was, I started doing the comedy. So yeah. Not that we have anything against travel lodges. Just <laughs> they were I've, great. They're very, very. They're perfect for what they are. But I when, lost my virginity in a travel lodge, so I've got kind of a soft spot for them. Oh yeah, did you get? Did you have to pay by the hour at that point? Because you'd have had a quick deal. No, though, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I just paid for a night. I did. I don't think you could do it hourly. I wouldn't be there long if I could have paid by the minute. I'd have been great. You know, <laughs> <laughs> <in and out. laughs> that's what I'm saying, man. Um, so tell us about you losing your virginity. Like this just took a turn. No, this podcast. no, no. no it's, this is a, this ain't my podcast. We'll save it for a different time. <laughs> How do we move from that? How do we move back to me? You Reckon know that. <laughs> Brian, so tell us about when you lost your virginity. <laughs> I was in a travel lodge with a hairy man. I <laughs> <laughs> wasn't supposed to mention that. I, I remember carrying him home on my back. Um, <laughs> so comedy, what about comedy? Yeah. Living in London. So yeah, so just got into it. And it was because all my other mates, obviously I still had jobs and stuff. So they, they were doing that and I'd go out and I just fell in love with it. It was, it is the, it's one of the craziest things and it's, um, Everyone says it's this, it must be scary getting up there in front of strangers each time, but the strangers are fine for me. That's that's great. It's when people you know are in the crowd. That's when ah, I, right, I, yeah. I could be in front of a thousand people, and if I know one person, 
Yeah. And that's the bit that I think about. That's There's a great picture. Um, Damien Clark is a comedian. Does he does a whole picture where there's a whole audience uh, laughing and then he blacks out all the laughing people and there's one person at the back not laughing and that's the guy the comedian sees. That's, that's the only that's one That's like your YouTube see. section, isn't it? Your yeah, comment yeah. section. Well, I, I heard, it's uh, a tangent, it's not really that interesting, but I heard a lot of musicians, you know, started back in the day, like session musicians, would hate to play gigs because all the musicians would hang out at the same places. So they'd be all right if there were no other musicians that they knew. Yes. But if they saw another session musician they'd recorded an album with or like done a, a gig with, you know, they'd be like fucking, you know, shit themselves. So I guess it's kind of the same for comedians. I kind of get that. Yeah, similar. How do you start sort of like building a set then? So like, is it observational comedy? Like, do you you go and watch people and see how they play it and then you start figuring out what yes, you can talk it's, about? Again, it's, it's one of those things where you got to put in the work, right? You got to find out and it's, you got to find out who you are on stage. What, what makes you laugh uh, and how you can be the most natural form of you or the most extreme form of you. And it's, it's kind of, it's so personal. It's such a, and that's why everyone is subjective. That's why everyone's got different types of comedians that they like or that they're drawn towards. Or you go up to Edinburgh, which is uh, happening at the minute, and there's thousands of comics, hundreds of, hundreds of shows, all different, all different types of comedy, all different types of people. And that's the journey. And it's, some people get it really early. Some people will click and they'll, they'll find out who they are and what they want to be and the type of stuff they want to talk about. Others like me, I struggled. I tried to be like a Billy Connolly to start with. I tried to be cheeky and, you know, that was the comic that I used to watch when I was a kid. That, that's what I kind of liked, those stories. And it, it didn't quite fit me. Then I tried to be serious and try and make points like Bill Hicks. And I was like, that's not <laughs> coming out of my mouth. Um, and then you kind of fall into it. And for, for me, it was it, it was a long time for me to, to kind of find who I was. Um, and a lot of my stuff is, is loose. It's, it's, it's like I can talk to the audience. I'll do a show and by the end of it, I can write a song by the, about some of the people in the crowd and I'll play it and they'll, they'll, it blows their mind because they, they've got no idea how you do it. Sometimes I don't, I don't know what I'm going to say next, but you'd play it and it all kind of fits and you have this magical moment. And the great thing about comedy, especially whether you're doing a small club or you're doing a, a stage or a world tour or whatever you, you know, an arena, it only happens that night. Yeah. It only happens. Even the DVDs you see in the specials, they're cut up over two or three shows. It's not the same. So it just disappears into the ether. So you'll be driving home after a crazy night in wherever, Rotherham, Newcastle, Doncaster, yeah. all the good spots. Um, <laughs> Nobody's had a crazy night in Rotherham, surely, <laughs> apart from the Chuckle Brothers, maybe. <laughs> and then you get in your car, it's mad because it's just finished and, and it, it's a weird thing because it's a rock and roll life. You kind of think you walk on stage, it goes crazy, but then you've got like a three hour drive home on your own. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's, it's, but I, yeah, I, I absolutely love it and it's one of those things that you do and it's addictive. It's got to be one of them, like the bravest forms of art to be able to do that. Because obviously if you go on stage with a band, you know, you've got songs or whatever that people would recognise and know yep. and, and they can get behind you. You're going on there and you just, it's you and a microphone and you're saying a prayer. Like you just, just chuck it. But that's the, that's the beauty of it because on, on comedy nights that you can have comics that are there that have sold out arenas that have got the big names and they could be on with a brand new comic. But on that night, anyone could be the best on the night. It depends what the mood the audience in. It can depend what ha has happened in that day. Yeah. It can depend on how it starts or, you know, the, the first couple of words you say. It can depend on how you look sometimes as well. There's some people that go on stage um, who might be a bit uh, posher and when they're up north or something, I know that they take a pint on with them, even though they, they wouldn't usually drink on stage just so that they, yeah, they go, yeah. right, I'm having a pint, I'm drinking with you. So it kind of changes it. So there's tricks and all that sort of stuff. But the, the beauty and beast of comedy is that, it's brutal. It is, it is absolute 
you you are like sometimes you're riding this wave you got you're in complete control and other times you are fighting fires left right and center what's that like then like what's it like on stage when it all goes wrong horrible it is that time slows down it's exactly like you could imagine you're, you're you're looking at the clock and the worst ones are corporates like it comes around to christmas and it's a christmas party that's been booked by one guy who thought this would be a good idea in a room that's not re- right for comedy whatsoever with people that could not give two shits about who's on stage or what you got to say they just want to drink the dr- free drink they want to eat the free food they don't want to spend their evening with the people they spend the days <laughs> working with and then uh, and then they just want to piss off into the night and and disappear off so you you literally get up there you say a prayer and then you watch the clock you just gotta wait till it goes to your allotted contracted time and then you oh go, god good night and it is it's 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 horrific to be considered that small of a being that people really do not give a shit about you that must be hard. I mean, I th- it's interesting that you go with that as like a story for like the, the kind of worst, maybe not worst case now, but that's what you, you kind of feel. Because I would have thought like the worst, I bet it's quite fun. You could correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's probably quite fun if you get like a heckler or something. So like, you know, somebody's being critical of you because I guess in that that's kind of right material for you because comedians are typically smarter than the average. I don't want to say it, no. but they're smarter <laughs> than the average person, right? So you're going to, I suppose it, if you get a heckler, this person on stage is a professional comedian. Yeah. So they're going to be able to take you apart. You're going to look at it, right? So I, I don't, I don't imagine hecklers are that big of a deal. It's, it, it, go on, it's carry on. No, no, you, you interject. I, what I was thinking is, I think the, probably the worst part for me, if I ever did it, I would hate to. Like, I wouldn't mind hecklers. I'd hate to like tell a joke that I thought was super funny, and no fucker laughs. That would be like, <laughs> I'd be like, oh my god, this is right. And that must happen. Some or maybe fewer people than you think laugh. Do you know? Um, it's. Uh, there's, there's there's horror stories all over the uh, like myths and legends all over the comedy circuit about certain heckles and things like that. Now, first of all, to to to, to talk to you about the heckling, it's it, it, everyone thinks that's one of the worst bits. But as a as a comedian, there's two things that will happen: either that person, man or woman or child, uh, <laughs> or man so child, or man child, um, has been an absolute dick throughout the whole show. So everyone's against them. Yeah. So whatever you do, whatever you say, you've got an army behind you and you've got, you got, and, you, and you've got lines, you've got stuff and you can, you are going to be quicker than a pissed up, coked up, no better. <laughs> Um, but the other side of it is sometimes you get these glorious heckles and they just drop in at exactly the right moment. And again, it's that moment and you just got to embrace them and they add to the show. And again, if you're somebody that, it, and I, I've never been like this, it's like if uh, you're somebody where something like that happens and you try and push it out of everyone's sight, like nah, get back looking at me, try and be greedy yeah. with what's up, they, they'll just turn against you. Whereas if you just embrace it, I've had some of the best moments. I've been set to do 20, 30 minutes and uh, something's happened and then that's been the show. Yeah. That has been the show for the entire thing, or you can keep going back to it, or you'll be listening to the comedian next to you, and they'll go, they'll go to it as well. But um, yeah, heck, heckles are—they're they're not as—they're not as scary when you're up on stage as you you would think before you start out. But there's a there's there's one that I um I remember I can't remember the I think I think it was Joe Bohr. He was on stage, and if I've given that the wrong credit, I apologise. But he was doing a, a gig, and again, in England, comedy is everywhere. So it could be a, a back room of a pub, it could be a conference hall in a, a hotel, it could be a, a, literally any, a, a tent out the back somewhere. And there was a, they were doing one first night in this this new pub that got new managers, and they decided to interject the midweek, so like a Wednesday night with a comedy night. Um, so they all go on uh, and it's hard when the room's wrong and it's so easy to get comedy right, but it's so easy to get it wrong. You need a good microphone, good lighting and the audience just in the right place. 
if there's pillars and posts and people serving food over you or you, the microphone, I remember one, this guy proudly said to me, he said, it's first night, he gave me the mic, he went, oh, car boot sale at £1.29. <laughs> and all the comments like, we're, we're all going to die here tonight. But this was a, this was a new night in, uh, somewhere in the southwest and they put, they put this on. And uh, I believe it was Joe on and he's a good comic. And it was... Uh, uh, he was struggling. He was struggling and there's that silence and you've still got 15 minutes to go. Nothing, no laughter, no warmth, no sort of, you know, this is going to be a great evening. And then at the back, just a guy leant against the bar. You could audibly hear him just breathe and speak over to the bar. and going, <sighs> used to be a pool table over there. <laughs> <laughs> Like the, the pure romance in his, in his voice that the stage was now held by some guy he didn't want to listen to and he could have been putting his quid on the table waiting for a next next winner takes all. I feel like that, I would, I'd have to laugh. You know, you, you've been to a wedding and like somebody, the, the best man or the, the bride's dad's doing a speech and it's super wank. Yeah. Like I, I'm always like, the guy like that most. pity laughs there. Like I'll, I'll be, I remember like uh, I went to one of, my, one of my friend's weddings, right? And her dad was, do, uh, the father of the bride was doing a speech, right? And I don't want to do the he was South African, right? But he, he did the, what a great wedding, even the cakes in tears gag, which must be like the first, if you say <laughs> if you Google jokes it. to tell that went, that must be the first one. And I thought there was like, he audibly paused as well. It wasn't like it's circumstance. He just kind of went yeah. on. He was waiting for the laugh. And I was like, ah, it's a good one. Now. And I was thinking like, I get out of the way. Cause I, I, need, I just didn't want him to feel so bad. You know, I'm thinking it must be hard to get up there. Cause I know people that they say, you know, that, um, because it's a type of public speaking, isn't it, right? Yeah. Uh, comedy. That people are more afraid of public speaking than actual death. Like people would rather yeah. die almost than publicly <laughs> speak. Seriously, yeah. Wow. So yeah, I'm I'm I'd have to laugh. I'd have I'm to laugh. I'm the same as you though at weddings and whatnot. Like, I, But I, I'll laugh like I do now. And it just it'll echo through the room. And I've got Danielle hitting me. Like, <laughs> I'm like, ah. especially like if it's an inappropriate joke. I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, oh fuck. But yeah, I'm, can you recall of any like absolute tram smash shows that you've done where it just didn't go right like can you is there any that stand out in your career that you just it's the worst you want to crawl inside run off oh god cut it short oh my god there's, there's do you know what and I, for doing it 18 years now i've got so many right okay. and that's that's the truth and it's uh, like comics that tell you i, I don't die or on bullet that's the phrase some use on bulletproof right it's ridiculous absolutely ridiculous but there's so many i can i can picture actual faces I remember the people just staring. I can see the front row of some of the gigs. Um, yeah, just just horrific ones. There was one I did, <laughs> and again, it's when it's it's attached to something else. So there was the the, the Four Nations, the rugby going on, and they decided to put a um, comedy night on in the rugby club after the Four Nations. Now you've got the most horrific, <laughs> horrific sort of pissed audience already. They're already the funniest guys. It's, it's r rugby players. They're the funniest guys yeah. in their change rooms. So you're stepping on there <laughs> trying to be funny as well. And it's, uh, it's, you, you're just not going to beat that. You've got no chance. So again, it's, it's going through. I did one in Bahrain where it's, and this was, this was weird, especially because it was, it was to the army, different force of the army and the American army out there, they've got a curfew. So they, they have to be out by 10 o'clock. So basically it's not a curfew. It's a finish line for the amount that they can drink up there. <laughs> and uh, in the end, uh, we had three, three comics on tour going around the, those sort of regions. So Dubai, Bahrain. Um, 
And we got up there and it was just, it was impossible, absolutely impossible. So in the end, and you might have been proud of me, I ended up just challenging them to drinking contests at the end. And I said, right, I'm four years off the wagon, but let's do it this tonight, let's go. And then it just became like a, a conveyor belt of different shots that they were bringing to me. But I stayed up there, I did every drink that they, and by the what? end, and by the end, even though they hated me to start with, by the end, they went absolutely mental when I did. And uh, the, 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 the bell rang for 10 o'clock and the room ended like that because they all have to be back on base in their dorms by half 10 so I had this mad thing of going to battle with all these soldiers necking these drinks like head to head drinking these things and then all of a sudden they just disappeared and I was like what the fuck is this and then I died in my hotel room <laughs> man that's some wild stories that that's that's Crazy. rock and roll that that's, that's not as rock and roll as some other comedians I am so vanilla compared yeah. to some other comics oh do, my god do you, do you have a favourite comedian yourself because I know you, you must get like I know you said Billy Collin but do you have any like maybe Am I treading on your toes here? But no, no, you're good. No, but that's in your notes. That's next on the list. Like, I fucking know you, man. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say, do you have any like people now maybe that are active now that you like or other, people other than Billy Connolly maybe that maybe yeah. some of the TikTok generation might know, I don't know. Um, so there's comics that I've come up with, comics that I've done stuff that I've seen them like uh, Ramesh Ranganathan. So he's, uh, yeah. he's, he's huge now. He's absolutely he massive. Is, um, a question of, not a question of sport, um, uh, the, the, a league of their own. League of their own. Yeah. There's all that sort of stuff. But I did, um, I started, <clears throat> well, he was, I think he started just after me, which is annoying because he's rich now. Um, <laughs> uh, but he, he, I remember he used to be driving around in this really clapped out Iago going all the, all the way around. And he used to be um, uh, support for Sean Walsh and he'd do all these little gigs. I did an Edinburgh uh, run with him. So we did a show like a mixed bill, me, uh, Ramesh, a couple of other people. And after that Edinburgh, he went absolute stratospheric but when you see the work he puts in when you see exactly how much effort and this is the same this is when i, I know i'll be a, i'll always be like a, a, like a good comic i know that I'll, i can go up there and i can have fun and i'll, I'll be good but there's a difference and at this it's like the work he puts in the the detail that he'll pull out of a joke and it'll be a look or a pause or something like that and that for me it makes me happy. I'm someone that celebrates other people's. It's a very bitter place, this circuit as well, because oh, yeah. everybody's thinking, oh, why did they get that opportunity? Or that's because that they're with that agent. But for me, seeing him coming from a school teacher, dropping that job and sacrificing it, and his missus saying, yeah, this is what you're supposed to do, to now being on big TV shows, selling out arena tours. And then when you see the work he puts into his material, you're like, that's 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 why it is, a, you know, that's, that's the sort of comic that I like to watch, Rise. Sounds like YouTube, that, you know? Well, yeah, it's putting the... the <laughs> so I was throwing a brain fart there, man. Who's, who's your favourite comic? Uh, don't you dare say Johnny Knoxville, I swear to God. <laughs> uh, so I went to see Burt Kreischer in, in um, Manchester. Nice. He's one of Rogan's crew, well, like one of his All mates, right. you know, like he's part of that crowd and he went on tour. Um, he, he's, he's got a story called The Machine where when he was... Uh, when he was in school, like in college, they sent him to like Russia and he ended up drinking and partying with the Russian mafia on this train and how he got nicknamed The Machine. And that's like his, his like hero He's story. He's one of the only comics that they, like you were talking about the music thing, like you'll always ask for the greatest hits of a band. You'll always ask for, you know, the, the favourite song. He's one of the only comics that they demand that he does this. And it's about a 10 minute bit as well. So it's not, not sure. And it's, 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 he told it on Rogan first yeah. and Rogan said you should make that a bit yeah. and then it's become this epic thing which is now his signature but it's, the, people ask for it they yeah, know I mean, it, it all happens but they want he's it he's got like 
he's got, I think he's got three versions of that story. So he's got like, depending on how much time he's got, he's got 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And it's all the same story, but just in very, varying degrees of detail. But he went on, on tour with a guy called Mark Normand. Okay. So again, one of Rogan, and he was better than Bert. Yeah. So he was the warm-up act. And I knew of him because I'd followed Joe Rogan yeah. and, and, and I knew of the little circle and he came on and he's got really dry humor, like, and just the pauses in the right place. And he's just, he doesn't show any emotion on stage mm. and he is just like, unreal as a comedian amazing and he, he for me were way better than Bert like considerably better than Bert which wow I, I think that sort of you'll I think you'll probably see that I guess it takes years for him to develop but he, he's up there now he does yeah. he's on road that's, that's the path you kind of go under another comic and then you'll come through what's sorry is it raining sounds like it yeah fuck I thought it was my shit man <laughs> yeah I'm sorry if you're listening crackling. it's all right mate give me that ASMR thing it's cool <laughs> I just thought I was going mad sorry, sorry, can, sorry can, to move no, studios I, I rustle when I get excited so <laughs> I was thinking I was like, <laughs> Uh, so I'd, I'll have to, you send me that later because I, I can't remember you I'll said say, yeah. And there's, an, there's a British comedian, um, Paul Chowdhury. Paul Chowdhury. Oh, so. he's good with a bit. He's got oh, a nice beard. Oh, he's got an epic, got nice hair. If, if, like, you know when you say, who would you want as a guest as well? Like to get on the list of like, I, I think he's fucking amazing. So I've, I've gigged with Paul. Yeah. I've done tour support for Paul as well. And he's another, he's so unique because he is what he is. Yeah. He is what he is. What you see on stage is like a slightly exaggerated thing, but it's he is intense and he is like quick and uh, he's got this mad following as well. He's got I, I did tour support for him and I didn't tell his audience he had tour support, so I went on. And for the first couple of minutes, there were furious and I had to go, no, Paul's coming on after me. Oh, that's fine, it's fine. But yeah. Yeah, he'd be a fucking wicked guest. I he's think. got. He, he does a lot on uh, social media, doesn't he? Yeah. Which not. I mean, I, I know all comedians do to some degree, right? But he's got like. St- I know he posts like his own videos, kind of thing. Like, I get the vibe that he posts his own vis- videos on Facebook, you know, and mm. they're monetized and stuff, obviously. But that's. That, yeah, I like him. He's cool. I, I like. You know I, who I like? Just on the same. It reminded me. I don't even know if he's still around now. But you remember a guy called Omid Jalili? Yes. He was actually in, maybe he just left comedy behind because he was in The Mummy, wasn't I don't know if anyone remembers. He was in yeah. The Mummy, he had like a scarab run under his skin and then died. I think it ran into his brain, ate the brain, I guess. So, um, but oh, anyway, he died. Yeah. Yeah. I remember him, yeah. He came to our university to do a talk on comedy. Oh, yeah. So he came when this was when he was in his, um, uh, like, really rising and coming through the ranks. And he said, because um, he, he was getting into movies, so this was just before he got into to The Mummy and all that stuff. And he said, how you market yourself as, a, as an actor or as a performer is, is key. And he said, I am the, at this point, he said, I am the only uh, person listed on Spotlight as a dirty Arab. <laughs> so he said that's how I get my gigs he said because people they don't want to say that's what they want but that's what they want and then he put he was the only one and he's and it, honestly he was uh and my, my wife was she, she was uh, an agent in comedy and so she used to look after his tour for a little bit um and he is another one of those humans that is just glorious to be around and you want these nice stories there's so yeah. many nasty ones all this but yeah seeing him at university when he just said that everybody just yeah what a legend I think he was supposed to play in that footy thing you know that I did Oh yeah, cool. and I think he pulled out last minute. I remember being devastated. Thinking, ah, oh, fuck, man, just John Walters here now. <laughs> but <laughs> no, John, John was really nice. That was, it was cool meeting him. But that, you know, I, I think I probably just thought like somebody else doesn't actually play football professionally in some capacity. But yeah, um, I used to like Stephen. Do you know Stephen Wright? Nobody knows Stephen Wright, old American comedian. He's like super dry. I used to get on stage, just look down and tell these one liners, kind of like Jack D, but like less animated. Wow, had like really long hair. Um, but I, he, he, I think he was around for a pretty short period of time, but he was in The Simpsons. 
Right. They did an episode. Of, do you remember that episode of The Simpsons where um, Krusty the Clown, he, he stops being a clown and he becomes like an observational yes. comedian? Yes, yes, And there's a, a bunch, yeah. there's like Bobcat Goldthwait on there. Yeah. Who was I think, was he in Police Academy or something? But a bunch of those like kind of hip American comedians. Stephen Wright was in that. But I think was, his career might have been quite short-lived. I don't know if you just run out of jokes to write. But uh, I don't mind Tim Vine as well, you know, because he tells like just, it's just like his slick one line. They're just like shitty dad jokes, yeah. starts fish, but because they are, it's, that's what it's funny, you know. It's, I, I like stuff that's, because I got a bit bored, I think, personally, of like all the observational comedy. I really, I don't want to say it now, right? Because you're going to make a clip saying like Beard, Beard starts beef with Peter K. <laughs> uh, that's not what I'm doing. But you know, like garlic, garlic bread, bread. Jokes, that man, that used to piss me off. I'm like, no, no Peter, no, come on. <laughs> Nobody on planet Earth doesn't understand garlic bread. I don't care if you're from the arse end of fucking, I don't know, some old village on the outskirts of Barnsley. You know what garlic bread is. So you can't really make out of that's an exotic food and that people don't understand it. And cheese, everyone knows what cheesecake is, but he had this audience in the palm of his hand, like, why are you laughing? Mrs. Baby sat next to me, I'm like, that's not, it's not even funny. <laughs> I don't resent the dude, obviously he did well for himself, you know, that Max and Paddy stuff had its, had yeah. its uh, moments. Yeah, yeah. But I remember thinking, like, I'm just tired of this observational shit. Like, you, you don't just say stuff that people do and then expect people to laugh. George, get that shit clipped, man. Yeah. There's a million views Maybe there. Maybe if you get him on, he's not, he's not really doing much these days, is he? He was the best man at my wedding. Was he? <laughs> Peter K was? No, was he? Are you serious? Imagine. I'm already sweating, but that was Adam. What do you reckon your chances would be at give uh, would you give it a go? Stand up comedy? No, no. I don't have I don't think I've I'm not I'm saying you're egotistical, mate, but like I, th- I think you have to have a certain a certain sense of like um I don't mean ego in the you're proud of yourself or anything yeah. like that. I mean you have to have like in the Freudian sense of ego, you know, you have to go out there and think I can make these people laugh. I don't, yeah. I think I'm like, I say to you about acting, which is also an area of Brian's expertise. I'd, I'd like to give it a go, but I don't think I, you know I mean? Like, I don't believe that I'll be successful at it. Yeah. I, th- I think you'd be a good comic. Yeah. I could try it. But 100%. What, what would you look for in a, in a comic? In- uh- it's, Ooh, a, it's a good one. I like it. Yeah, yeah this is a good question. Good question. Well done, mate. Well done. I've never written that. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, again, it's that individual thing, but just, and it is, it's it's not being, and especially with, with you, Adam, you can kind of tell you, you've got a sense of humour. You've got a unique story already. You've got, you travel, so you'll have all this stuff you can pull from. Um and you can talk on the mic. So, and that's, and every, everybody, this is the thing with comedy. It's, it's one of the best kept secrets because, everybody has got a story. You've sat with your mates and you've told them something that's happened and they've pissed themselves. All you do is you find a way of growing that so that more people can follow you on. on and, it's, and there are little tricks and tips and all that, but the, the first thing is just getting out there and saying it. Yeah, because I think and it's like, I guess in its purest form, it is an act in it. You know, you are writing you are writing your jokes in a performance. Like I think when you, when you think about it just as a, an observer or like an admirer of comedy, you just think that they're just... They're just shooting it on stage, but yeah. not that they've rehearsed it. Blew my mind a that. million times. Blew my mind. So I went. I went to university <laughs> in London. I went to the, the Jonglers there, which is in Camden, and I watched Phil Nickel, uh, and he is one of the best live comics you can watch. Seriously, like one of the most unfollowable comics I've ever seen, and he's just got this. And I didn't realize it then, like the golden twenty minutes. This this twenty minute sets and it's got and he does all this crazy stuff plays music he interacts with the audience so I booked to see him again I didn't know it was going to be exactly the same yeah. 20, and it was the same energy the same thing he picked someone out used the same moments but it was that he's 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 built this and that's just his I mean he does phenomenal hour shows as well so each year he writes uh, something different and he does something more artistic and but this golden twenty minutes that he's absolutely crafted 
over the years he's been doing it is uh, and and for me and this was before his income this was when I just just moved to London thought I want to watch a, a comedy show I, I broke my heart a little bit it's, knowing I don't think it's strange because I think that's what like when when I first got into sort of production and you realise oh actually yeah there's like, tricks it's just it, this, there's so much work that goes into it we only ever see that polished piece at the end and you know, even like your videos, you only see the eight minutes. You don't see the 40 hours that you've put into it. So even like my videos, like it's some, some low grade, like Molly May shit. <laughs> Ooh, that's another person. I've, <laughs> that's another vlogger I've just name dropped. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, like, I, I, I must take a lot of work. And I think, yeah, I mean, for me, I think when, when you go up there, you know, like it must be, you, you're never going to know that if it, it land, and there's going to be those nights when it doesn't land right. Yeah. I think that must that must hurt so so much. But I suppose if you're resilient, I mean, that's it. it's like how bad do you want it? You know, like if if that's what you, it's going to be more painful if you need that. You know, like if this yeah, is your yeah. passion and your career and it's what you want to make a living out of, and then that that crowd turns on you, that's going to hurt so much more than if me and you went and did a night. Didn't really change his lives, does it? We might no. end up on. Yeah. Everything like that usually starts with hobbies, doesn't it? So you yeah. can, if you need to leave, kind of leave it and be like, oh, fuck, I don't want to do it anymore. You can, I guess. Yeah. Well, let's go on to uh, presenting then. So obviously, I'm assuming the presenting come after comedy. Uh, yeah. So it, it's obviously with the acting background and doing comedy, you get offered these little jobs here and there doing uh, doing the presenting work as well because you, you, you're relaxed. And it's the same way that I sort of fell into the MMA stuff and we'll probably talk, talk about that is... Uh, people just want people that can relax in front of a camera or can make people that they're talking to relax. Yeah. And that's a big skill. And if you can, uh, you know, make a few jokes, if you're not so stiff because you're scared of a camera or a light or the topic or anything like that, that kind of that kind of opens doors for you as well. <laughs> so I'm just laughing because... <laughs> Do you watch the boxing at the weekend? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they were, so it's, it's, what is it, 28 quid, the box office? Mm. <laughs> and the presenter they had on there, I don't know uh, the, the name of the presenter, right? But she said, the, you know, they go around the, the ring and they show all the famous faces and she's like, there's Hasim Namid there. I'm like, <laughs> I'm putting 28 quid for you to get his name the wrong way around. You mean Nassim Hamid? <laughs> How is this person a job on like box up? They surely should, they should get the, the MVP of presenting doing that, right? Yes, anyone can do it. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's true. They just made me laugh. Sorry, I just thought of that. I see him now, mate. For fuck's sake. You wonder how he's got a podcast, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. He's got his two million subscriber plaque there. That's why he's got a podcast. Well, I did tell you I'm not coming on this show till he breaks that too. So that's, it's a good job he got it before. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only at 2.1 now. Shit's getting out of control. It's madness. That right? is bonkers. Isn't that? Because like, I travel a lot and I see people watching your videos all over the world. Ah, oh, thanks, man. It's, it's, like, but it feels like a very like airport I'm thing. Money later on. <laughs> <laughs> See people sat there just, yeah. And do you know another thing? Fighters watch a lot of your stuff when they're cutting weight. I thought like Paddy Pimblett? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah I, know, I get that, like bodybuilding and stuff. I quite like that though, you know? Yeah. It'd be interesting to know who like the, objectively the most famous person is. Like I'd love to hear like the, not the queen, because I'm, you know, I'm not really into the royal family, but I don't know. Someone, really, I mean, like Elon Musk, perhaps. Yeah, just, like you if, know, he, if he, I, you wouldn't put it past me. He's a bit quirky, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. Anyway, if anyone's famous and listen to this, let me know if you watch the vids <laughs> and stuff. But, uh, what are we talking about? We're talking if about this bar presenting. Tell us about you presenting. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's it's good. <laughs> that's why I get the jobs. What, what was the first presenting gig you did then, or the one you were first one you were offered? You thought, hey, that's a bit different. It's uh, I, I did one for. It was do you know before all these just uh, not just eat the 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 boxes where you can 
order the food and it kind of tells you the recipe and how to cook it. There was, a, there was one in London, which was like a farm shop based one. And they wanted to go around London and it was for like a lifestyles show. And I was like, I've got no idea. And this could be horrific. And it was just awesome fun. I was yeah. like, you just get to be yourself. And I was like, this could, this could be it. This could be the job. And then you wait another eight years to so get your next one. Like, how, how much are you involved in the production side of that then? Are you just almost given a script? Yeah, basically right. a script. Um, I've had other jobs where as a, as a comedian as well, they'll, they'll tell you to come in and can you write some stuff? Can you write some gags? I did one for, uh, this was when dating websites just started so for the for the best opening line for a date or to try and right. get that sort of stuff. So I, I looked, they, they, and they just saw it as a job. So they said, right, we need you in the office from nine o'clock till 6 p.m. every week, uh, Monday to Friday, and we'd like you to rattle out. So, so, but it's the most unconducive area. Just sat at a desk, surrounded oh, by man. people doing real jobs, like <laughs> arguing over like paper, how thin the paper is in the printer, or it's getting jammed or whatever. And you got to come up with. And they said, "We've well, only written 482 to this." Like, you know, I've been in three weeks. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Like, um, yeah. I, I do like coops, like fucking chains of the desk writing joke writers. Yeah. That's mad. Be, yeah, someone's yeah. got to do that, there. Yeah. Well, I guess so, yeah. So what other gigs have you done then, presenting? Presenting, uh, all, all sorts of little bits. I've done some stuff for, uh, like, other people's websites and things like that. Just so, And we've done stuff, obviously. We did the tennis. That was not the, the tennis. tennis. Badminton. That Memorable, yeah. Memorable. It was just before COVID, so, you know, it was... Uh, it I was, remember thinking, you tell me about that, I mean, thinking that's kind of quite cool. It was like, oh, yeah, it's just like badminton. I'm probably selling you out there, aren't they? If they ever want to book uh, you again. I remember thinking, I, I, I used to like a bit of badders when I was a kid, you know? Yeah, Nobody com- watches it. I completely but- underestimated the job. Like, I thought, I thought badminton. I thought, yeah, four people's going to rock up to that. And then it turned out it was like an arena in, in Birmingham. It was massive. They sent, me to, they sent us to France to meet the world champions. I went to Manchester United. And then they were like, so the two other people was presenting, weren't they? And I'm like, I spoke to them both and I'm like, we need somebody else here, you know? <laughs> like, we need a colour commentator. I'm like, I know a guy. I thought, Brian's doing all his MMA stuff, but he's a funny guy, he's professional. And like, if I want somebody on the home team, do you know what I mean? Like, and I thought, we'll get Brian in on this. So I managed to like get a deal together. You came down. And uh, what, it were an amazing gig to be fair, wasn't it? It, it was nuts because I, I had underestimated how big badminton was as well. And yeah. it was like, even like the views from in particular regions in the world. So oh, where, yeah. where were those, the, the, the guys from? They were... The far East, I forget. Uh, the Philippines or something like yeah. that, wasn't it? And he had, um, and you look at their, the clips you put up on theirs and it was hundreds of thousands, getting to millions yeah, so of views. So we put views. the first show out on the, on like, so we'd shoot, so obviously they'd play all day and then we'd record from like seven till nine. It weren't long, were it? Cause we'd already pre-produced everything. So it would just sort of slotting it together. Uh, and then we'd edit through till maybe 11 PM. Obviously Brian's took some bit at this point. We'd press launch on YouTube channel, wake up at seven o'clock in the morning. It had done like 300,000 views. <laughs> I hadn't slept though, because I was thinking this, cause it, cause the, it was so like ropey pulling it all together and oh, trying yeah. to make it fit and getting everybody who'd never worked together before. And, I was thinking, how the hell are you going to make an episode out of this? That is a, that's a signature of, of anything that Josh produces, to tell you the truth, that it's rope. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to follow up with a compliment. No, 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 no. That was the bill, was it? But then in the delivery... You know, I was, you know, was going to ask you, would you have, do you have like a, a dream presenting job? Like Blue Peter maybe or something, I don't know. Now, do you know what? The, the, doing what, and it sounds totally cliched and over the top, but doing what I do right now, like uh, the, the MMA stuff, that is, that is my that's dream. That's my dream job. That is... Like I still wonder how the hell I got there. <laughs> Speaking and hanging out with some like legends of the sport. I don't know how much you know about MMA, but people very like, little, very little. Yeah, but like the, some of the 
early names like Tito Ortiz, yeah. Rampage Jackson, Frank Mayer, having them on, on my phone in WhatsApp chats. And things. Yeah. these were the guys that I started watching. And then now with the up and coming fighters, yeah. knowing them and being able to go to shows. And yeah, so for, for me, it's... I, I, I don't want to do anything else. This yeah. is this is the thing, yeah. That's ba- Baz Rutan. Nice. I know Baz Rutan. Is he still yeah. alive? He's still alive, yeah. Yeah. Thought, Bro- absolutely broken as a human being. Physically, <laughs> he talks about all the injuries he's got. But you look at when he was coming through the Valet Tudo stuff, like the, 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 he learned that's open hand slaps on um, uh, in some of the contests that he, he was in. And he would... He, he created the, the greatest palm strike you're ever going to see and knocked people out. There's supposed to be a shot that kind of stifles yeah. you... He would break faces with the palm of his hands. Like Eddie Honda from Street Fighter. Exactly. (laughs) So how did you get into the MMA world then? So this was, it was, uh, again, this was during comedy and all the podcast stuff had just started going off. And I was doing um, one of my favourite gigs. It was in Maribel in um, the ski resorts. So you'd go around, you'd you'd do gigs in the chalets and uh, in the day you'd go skiing. So me and another comic, Carl Donnelly, uh, who's a phenomenal comic, very unique, very original, and always sort of ahead of the game. Uh, we were on a ski lift going up, and we were just talking, and he was saying, I don't get why, and he wasn't saying it at me, he was just saying it. He said, if you're a comic, why wouldn't you have a podcast? Why would you not do something which can get you more of an audience? And I was sat on the ski lift going, I ain't got a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got a podcast. Oh my God, this is going to be a long ride home. Um and then it was, I, I couldn't think of what, what to do. I didn't want to do it on comedy. I didn't want to uh, like, and basically I, I used to watch a lot of MMA. I watched stupid amounts of mixed martial arts, even before it was huge and before it was out in the mainstream. And I used to watch all the interviews back. And then um, I'd always kind of stop watching the interviews because I didn't like the people that were doing the interviews. Like The same questions, they were usually just geeks that had kind of decided I want to go to a show and then, so I kind of thought, do you know, what? I reckon I could do something with that. And to start with, I uh, I did a comic uh, a podcast just with comedians because lots of them liked MMA. Some of them were martial artists. Some of them had fights. So I did a, a podcast called The Stand Ups Throwdown. And then again, hobby, just a little sideline trying to keep Carl Donnelly happy. <laughs> Please don't hate me next year. Um, and uh, within a couple of months, managers had started phoning me and said, would you interview fighters as well as comedians? And I, I said, okay. So I did a couple of fighters. Um, and then shows, Bama contacted yeah. me and said, we've got shows coming up and your interviews are getting good numbers, good clicks and like good content. Would you come and... Uh, do the post fight uh, backstage interviews for some of the stuff. So I paid for myself to go out to the show, bought myself a crappy suit and a camera. And like, even if you look at my first shot, my head's down here and the fighter's <laughs> up here and I'm, I'm doing the, uh, the interviews and it, it within, I think it was within like six months and I'd, I'd eventually roped a mate in to come and do the filming for me. And I'd, I'd done a few shows then. And I said to him, I'm going to get from the backstage I'm going to get to the cage I'm going to get to that cage and within six months they offered me my, my first presenting job so it was all again just taking a leap buying a, a microphone yeah, my yeah. first edit if you look at the sound I did all the volumes <laughs> per, per word pretty much but again you got to be rubbish before you get good and uh and yeah within six months I had that and then from there it's just moved from doing the interviews to the presenting I did the Bama presenting it was in front of camera for all the, some of their events and then eventually got offered jobs to go and sit cage side and, and shout loudly while people punch the set, punch to the people in the face. Yeah. So how does um, presenting differ from commentating? Then, like, that's quite a, that's a skill in itself, isn't it? Being able to commentate on, so call what you're seeing. 
yeah. just relate to an audience. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's, it's for, for me, it's it's because uh, I watched so much. Like as a kid, I, I wasn't mad on football. I did play a lot of it. I used to watch go much uh, the mighty Huddersfield Town every so often. But um, fighting was like, my, <laughs> why are you laughing at me? I don't know. I'm an Arsenal fan. I don't know why I'm laughing. At the mighty. <laughs> Three times in a row we won that league. Um, but the, yeah, 1921. <laughs> <laughs> but the. Uh, for me, I watched so much of it, and it was it was kind of natural. I was already fairly relaxed uh, with the in front of a camera or on a mic, and um, with calling the fights, you sat next to it. The way it should work is, but I do play by play, so I do all the sort of leads and questions, and I sort of do the the, the tell of the tapes and the adverts in between, and set everything up. And then beside me, there's an expert, or there should be an expert, and I will fire stuff at them. And for me, it's again, it's a dream job because I could get to ask. And sometimes, like now, I've done martial arts a while. You can kind of know what positions are. But I, like, I, I try and educate the audience by asking questions from those certain positions, or and especially with with fighters from some of the regions that I've commentated in, whether it's Russia or Eastern Europe. If you two tuned in, you'd have no idea who they were. But my job is to kind of make you feel something for them. So as a, as a kind of responsibility, I'll, I'll speak to the fighters, I'll do the research, I'll, I'll look on their Instagram, I'll um, I'll try and get as much background as possible so I can tell a story. So when they're making their walk, before they touch gloves and fight, hopefully you you two will know something that makes you feel something about one of those guys or girls that'll make you go, I want that person to win. How long does it take you to, I guess, do the the research or pre-production for an event so like mm. octagon now like you're going into an octagon arena and you've got how many fights 15 fights yeah about yeah between 12 and 15 yes yeah, how like. long does it take you to research well if there's 15 fights 30 fighters like how long does that take you to get that ready a long time that's, yeah, that's like, what people don't get and this is this is the bit I, I always say i don't get paid for doing the commentary i get paid for the travel which is horrific sometimes um and i get paid for the the work bit which is the research so i'll try and spend like an, a minimum of an hour on each person which is 30 hours minimum yeah. all that i will have relationships or i will have seen uh, some of the fighters before I'll, I'll know some of the dynamics so that helps but I'll always try and dig out something new to talk about. So for, for me, I am, I've got pages of notes. I've watched uh, not just their fights, but their interviews. Again, I've looked at social media. I've spoken to their coaches, their teammates. And I'll have sometimes two pages on this guy and the fight will finish in 10 seconds. <laughs> and I'll be like, but that's, that's fine with me. Because yeah. it, sometimes I'm calling the fight and it's just wrestling on the ground. And there's not much to say, but if I can be talking about some of the journey or the preparation or the, the adversity they faced to get to that point, that at least makes it interesting to listen to, even if it's maybe yeah, not yeah. to watch. Have you ever thought about that side of it? Because I just think it's wild. It's a bit like... Uh, no, I, yeah, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't have, right? But I saw a video, I think it was yesterday or the day before, which show, it was like a little kind of short thing, but it was showing you, um, you know, Martin Tyler, you won't know him, he does the football commentary, you know, George, right? And he was showing, um, he didn't sound like he was as well prepared as you, Ryan, but he, he was, he was, he had like a little uh, notepad and he was talking about like behind the scenes, how do you get prepped for a, a commentary gig right. basically. And I thought, I always kind of thought they'd done it from the majority from memory, you know, like, especially if you're as old as Martin Tyler, he's been doing it years, right? That you'd just be like, oh, you say what you say, but you don't really, do you? Like, there's there's got to be some kind of, you've got to be able to bring out some stats or, you know, like yeah, you, you say some, some hooks, nuggets yeah. of something to keep it in it, especially the wrestling can that's because that's where it loses me a bit i can still watch it yeah. i'm trying to get into it because otherwise i'd have fuck up talk to josh about you know like but um jackass freeze out next week yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no mate they're on what they're on jackass nine now or something but um 
Yeah, but I, that, <laughs> is this that, one with Vin Diesel? <laughs> probably, yeah. Um, but you know, that's it loses me a little bit there. So I think that's probably where the. I mean, that said though, I can't. I can't listen to my Michael Bisping. Oh, why? Who I don't want to get. I don't know if he was first a, ever champion of the UK. I don't know what's that voice about, man. Do you, do you know a great story about Michael Bisping? So he did the reality TV show that the, the, the Ultimate Fighter for the UFC. And he's from England and he's on an English speaking show and his accent was that bad they subtitled him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you listen to him then and you listen to him now, he's actually fixed his, like he's, he's, his accent is clearer and yeah. uh, less regional. I, so, g- yeah. I get that, because I, 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 I understand this right, because when I go to, I will speak very slightly differently. My accent isn't different when I go to America, but the intonation of what I say is, yeah. you know, so you'll end things like a question. You say, yeah. I mean, you're like, hey, can I do your burger challenge today rather than, can I do your burger challenge? You know, yeah. like that's different. But when I was at Michael Bisping, I'm like, this is weird kind of transatlantic thing, but not in a good way. Not like a, I don't know, Peter Sellers or something. It's like, it's, it's like this, this odd, like you're half from Warrington or wherever he's from. And then you like, yeah, I, and I'm like, lad, can you, I, don't, I don't get it. But like, so it kind of puts me off a bit. He seems like a nice dude. I just, and I like I how just, he takes his eye out sometimes and just kind of <laughs> that's around or whatnot. He's, he's, have you ever seen his movie? No. It's so like, for the hype that it had, it looks like it's been, it looks like a college film. It looks like a- Should have got you a film, oh, didn't Oh my mate? God, it's so bad. <laughs> it's, I could have done a better We don't want him on the enemies list. Michael, Michael we, we love you really. We love you. When I was doing that, do you know when you fought Anderson Silva? So yeah. that's an epic fight. If you want to go and watch a Bisbing fight that would make you a fan of his, uh, in, in London against Anderson Silva, one of the greatest of all time. Um, and the me- so I did the media there. This is again, when I was just starting out doing the media stuff and I got to, go to the UFC and it's one of my first ones and there was it's, it's very cliquey the media it's very like everybody knows each other and it's hard to sort of work your way in and if you're different and you're suddenly new face it's it's yeah you can you kind of feel that so I kind of sat back and uh Anderson Silva had a huge press ring around him and you can't ask proper questions then because he's trying to he's spinning plates he's just trying he doesn't speak the same language so I was trying to wait for him but he just shot off he just disappeared didn't do much Bisbing stayed for the entire day like the whole of the thing and answered everybody's questions individually and I was the last guy I was the last in the queue to speak to him and he was as good with me as he was with the first person that that he interviewed and I thought oh, you know, that, that says a lot I feel uh, bad now that yeah, says a fucking lot prick. I, hope come in, come <laughs> I just it puts me out. off a little bit like I want to hear the full like northern <laughs> so mafias on it mate. you've pissed off Michael Bisbing you've pissed off Paddy Pimblett how else are we going to grow this podcast lad? come on you should keep shooting him down he knows the game he's got two million subscribers he's with uh, Blake Harrison, you know, the uh, Neil from Between Us. Oh, he's supposed a, to come on, yeah? Yeah, but, so hopefully Brian can put in a word <laughs> for I'll, us. I'll give him a little nudge. Ever, I've got a good question for you. Do you ever get like, uh, especially with scary people, most MMA fighters are quite scary. Do you ever get like, when you've had to ask him a question when you're doing the early the interview and stuff, have you ever thought like, I want to ask him a bit of a, you know, when, when you're trying to plant a question which is going to be something, which may, they say something, yeah, controversial, right? But you know, it's going to maybe wind him up a bit. Do you ever get that? Yeah, because you've, you've, again, it's, I'm not I'm not a journalist. So when I was asking questions, it wasn't about just the weight cut or the camp or, the, or anything else. I'd be I'd be trying to dig into some of the stuff that's that's real to them. And and again, I've, I've had bits where they st- you can see it in their eyes. They're just staring at you going, you, you, why are you like, what the fuck? And they know they've got to answer it. And they just give you the look. And you're like, uh, I've just fucked off the light heavyweight champion of the world completely. Connor, I know you just snapped your leg in half, but do you call that a beard? Because anything you could be improving there. <laughs> That's, that is like goes out of history it? when he snaps his leg in half and Joe Rogan gets down behind him <laughs> I fucking love that mate 
But there's who else? So, uh, there's there's the Chris Weidman one where he broke his yeah. leg. There's the Anderson Silva one where he broke his leg on Chris Weidman again. And they they did a horrible thing where they showed, look, here's the here's the American yeah. going getting taken out of the leg break. Here's the Brazilian getting taken out of the leg break. Irishman, yeah, I'll do an interview. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. no problem. That's right. The worst bit about that, I don't know if you, if you watch it back, I mean, maybe you could put like a clip in, but like there's a, like a bit of coagulated blood oh. just swinging off his ear. With, and it's like, it's the worst. It's the one where he's like, your wife is in me yeah, DMs. Your wife's in me DMs. <laughs> there was no check. Your wife's in me DMs, baby. Oh my yeah, God. Shut up, McGregor. When you're talking about co- coagulated stuff on people, that is one of the, the, the worst bits about this, this job is, because I'll do the interviews afterwards in the cage. So they're covered in blood and sweat and other stuff that's just oh, come out of it, 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 that's it but um i'm squeamish that is weird I, yeah. I, i'm terrible with blood absolutely like her, like i was the kid at school that always passed out if somebody it's happened to me what, my kids fall off you've started now right so this week's uh, this week's segment of uh, josh's father and fails uh, we're gonna we're gonna put brian in for it so yeah roll the jingle yeah. <laughs> Bumping ahead, falling down the stairs. It's time we hear the tales. Brian's father and fails. <laughs> we'll go back. We'll go. Back. <laughs> you can leave the room now, Josh. <laughs> hey, <laughs> yo, is this table lifted up? Put it back down, boys. <laughs> right, we, we'll go back to him in a second. But as soon as you just mentioned, oh, you're squeamish. Oh, but I'm like, I'm so bad. I yeah. am so bad, and it's it's ridiculous because I. I I see so much blood in, in the job that I, I do, but like my, my kid, we went up, and <laughs> it was her birthday, it was her seventh birthday, and we got her a, a new scooter, so she was scooting around doing doing all that stuff. And again, she, she just fell off it, and she just sort of grazed her face, bumped her lip, grazed her knee, that sort of thing. But rather than running towards her, I had to turn around. <laughs> And look at my wife and go, you got, you got to do this. <laughs> you got to do this. Because I, 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 it's when I haven't seen it, I've, I've seen some really bad cuts and injuries and I've, I've actually covered in blood from other, other people from the fights and it yeah. just getting on you and things. But it's, it was that, and it, I was, again, it was that moment then on the drive home because my wife went out with it and we're all sat in the car. <laughs> and I know my wife's going, useless father, useless. Because I'm supposed to protect the family or whatever. And she, she hadn't hurt herself much, but it's just because of a little grace. And I, I literally looked at Hannah and I was like, you need to do Because <laughs> I could feel the white, I can even feel it now, oh, the white no. starting to come up me. And I was like, I, I can't, she can't be dealing with the child and me on the floor. Is it worse because it's your offspring? Does that amplify it? N- not really. Sometimes oh, it's, right. sometimes, because I hadn't seen, a f- I hadn't actually seen the accident. I just heard, and Hannah was like, she's bleeding. And then that's it. I'm done. Oh, I'm shit. done. But it wasn't like, I, I knew it wasn't bad, bad. And this makes me sound even worse. A <laughs> <laughs> child is bleeding. <laughs> You've got this baby. <laughs> oh my God. How bad? Do I need a tonic here? No, no, no it's we, yours then. Can we cut this out? Because this is actually, <laughs> when I say it out loud, I've never said this before. <laughs> it's much worse when I say it out loud. Yeah. Can we cut, we can't I, cut this? I don't think that's that bad. No, it's, we do miss her though. We do, <laughs> <laughs> we do miss her. We've kept the receipt for the bike, so uh, we, we got the money back. It's just fine. So like, you obviously give a shit every, but it seems to be every week that I've got a story about it, but is this a, a frequent occurrence for, for a child just to bang, drop, bump their heads? Like, it's, 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 it's when, commonplace. When, when, uh, when they get past that age where they, they're shuffling on the ground, 
every room becomes like final destination. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when they can move and they can stand and when suddenly things that should not like that. First of all, there's a knife on the table there. That's, that's, <laughs> I would spot that straight away. But there'd be simple things like the, the, you'd be looking at the corners of the table. Then you'd be looking at how easy it was for them to, to get up the, to the, the blinds or are the ropes low. And so every room suddenly becomes this thing as a parent where you, you see every accident happen as you look around, even though it's not going to happen and it's very unlikely it will. So, yeah. That's, yeah. Well, it's good that you do that, that kind of due diligence, right? Because Josh is the kind of guy, he was trying to lead you down the path there of saying, yeah, it happens quite often. But this is the man that puts, how old is Tilly? Uh, six, 17 months. Oh, that's horrific. Right. So, 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 so <laughs> less, less than two years, yeah. two, less than two years old. And uh, rather than do, the, do this kind of uh, risk assessment of locations, he puts her on a bike, sends her head first into a big fucking pile of rubble or something. <laughs> it's so, the northern way. That's yeah. how we do it. Up here. That's how he toughens her up here. Yeah. Oh, she gets a pile of rubble as well for Christmas. Well, we're on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> Mate, you make it out like I'm so luckily my my wife, she's she's in charge of all that. I just um I'm just like the fun dad. Well, you have that in common then, don't yeah, you? Yeah, that's right. Right. You're gonna have to handle this one. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's get back to the MMA world then. We've actually got a mutual friend. So Brian knows Mr. Danny Mitchell extremely well. I enjoy we had Danny you tell Brian we had Danny on? Yeah, I, yeah. Listen, I listened, yeah, oh, of course. You? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. love that um it was, it was an interesting bloke to talk to. I, I love that, you know, like speaking to um not that um, presenters and comedians aren't fun, but you know people are like at that ex that, at those real extremes of. He's um, fucking, I'm really new today. Anyway, what a prick! What else? I told you were a prick as well. You like, oh, God, it's it's like, when like, else well. do you get to test out your right your improvisational comedy on a comedian, That's professional right. yeah. comedian, no less? Yeah. But yeah. Um, you know, I like blue belt. <laughs> yeah, don't fuck me. It's who you. Let's go. <laughs> but no, I, I, when Danny to interject, when Danny was on, I re- that was one of my favourite ones because it was really, you know, he, he's a funny lad, isn't he? But like he told the, the whole weight cutting thing and I didn't really know. I know quite a lot about cutting weight, but like some of the mad shit he was saying, people looking his dick when he was peeing and stuff, peeing treacle. It was, it's, it, uh, it, first of all, he is a legend. He is so unique and he's so yeah. individual and he's so clever. Like you, you, you listen, I've listened to him corner people and coach people. Like he was at the IMAFs, which is... Uh, like the youth amateur world championships and he was looking after some of the fighters there fighters that he wouldn't usually coach or, or or be in the corner of and he is so clever at breaking down uh, martial arts he's so clever at inspiring people getting the best out of people and he's mad as a prick <laughs> oh my god like I, I i remember i was on we were on kind of holiday together it was an event that was supposed to happen that didn't happen which meant We'd hired out a whole hotel for God knows how many people, about 200 people for an event and they didn't end up coming. So we basically got uh, credit for all that. So we had like 12 and a half thousand pounds worth of credit on the hotel. Me, Danny Mitchell, Carl Prince, their kids. But we got people flying in, flying over. And so I'm on holiday with the Mitchells, which I'd never thought would happen. <laughs> and they got, I got my little girl, Alice, they got um, his little kid, Roman. And they're playing away in the pool and uh, <laughs> Danny's just in the pool with Roman. And all of a sudden, he just goes, Code Brown! <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ro- Roman shit in the pool. <laughs> and Danny, more. you talk about lightning reactions. He literally just scoops it up, digs one of the plants at the side under, throws it under, puts it back, washes his hand <laughs> and then carries on walking like, in one motion as quick as, quick as you like. just some little airy bearded fella getting out of the pool going, sorry. <laughs> 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 yeah, he's, a, he's a, a wild individual, is Danny. We're gonna have to get him back on the show. Yeah. And again, like you know, what you say about like, Inza, you, you mate Paddy, he's going on Paddy's show. I don't know if that's 
Well, nobody listens to our show. Daddy's going to go on Paddy Pimblet's podcast. So maybe we Did can... you mean no one listens to our show? Like a million people listen to, haven't they? We have had a couple of views on this this podcast. Oh, nice. You had a podcast, didn't you, with BT Sport? Did I have a podcast with BT How Sport? How did that go down? Do you, that's, sell that's, that's, that's... you sell it, you big sell out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I did it with Brad Pickett, who, again, this is a fighter that I used to watch years ago that was WEC, Bulldog fighter, uh, cage race champion over this side, fought in the UFC as well. So, like, a legend, 135 pound tiny little monster of a man. Um, and I interviewed him and... Can we clip that and pretend that he was talking about me? pound <laughs> <laughs> monster of a man. You can put it on Wikipedia in quotation marks. We can, get, we can say, Brian Lewis, this is what he said about me. If you do an Edinburgh show, you could use that on your poster. That, that, that would Sorry, do it. Go go on. Live. I interrupted. But, so I, I got interviewing him and, and we ended up becoming mates and to the point where he trained me for, for a fight um, and I did a fight. So I, I did that under, under Brad under this Wimp to Warrior program. Um, and from there, we started doing a podcast we did the One Punch podcast and then BT Sports approached us and said, would you like to do the UFC, the BT Sports UFC one, which was fun. It was fun, but we were very restricted. We were super restricted about what, what we could talk about or some of the guests or some of the questions. So there was even a point where Brad just won a bare knuckle title fight and he wasn't allowed to talk about and it was that like this podcast should be this we should be able yeah. to float and jump around wherever wherever we want and that's the kind of content that i think works especially for mma fans it doesn't have to just be about the fighting or whatever else but it was um uh yeah it was just it was strange but it was a great experience people that we worked with were good it was just when we do an episode you'd have to wait for everything to go through compliance which not everything made it through compliance so um but again that's lessons learned and we were going to do some more but we kind of uh, I said, it, I think we should go back to doing it as, as we do. It's like so. independence. Yeah, and there's, there's, there's freedom with that. It was great doing the, the thing and having the, the brand and all that stuff and a, a good learning experience. But to uh, f for us, it, it f we didn't come out like buzzing after no. every single episode. And uh, yeah, which is which is a sign, right? You've got you to enjoy it. Well, that's what you live by, really, isn't it? It's Somebody's the, uh, deadlifting downstairs again. Yeah, they are, They're yeah. getting ready for their next fight, whatever it is. <laughs> that's what you live by, though, isn't it? Like you, you've never sort of sold out on your channel and just persevered through the... No, I was just thinking that sounds like the difference between like, you know, doing like your uh, sponsored videos or the difference between like, say, doing your own YouTube stuff yeah. and what you want to do exclusively what you want to do. And then say doing TV work, which everyone thinks would be like a goal. But, you know, to, we've had this conversation yeah, before. Yeah. I could, I wouldn't do TV work now for fucking, you'd have to pay me, I don't know vast amounts of money to even touch it you know but it seems like because it's you don't you can't be yourself can you so if you're working to parameters that somebody else sets i get yeah. why bt don't want to hear about that valet today Tudo shit you know <laughs> you're gouging eyes or whatever um or bare knuckle stuff i get it because it's that, that you know they probably yeah. think maybe it's too extreme for people or whatever but if that is a part of like the the whole tapestry of what you talk about the dynamic yeah, yeah then it's then you want to talk about it you think people are gonna be interested then you think well why the fuck am i on this show I, yeah. if i was on my own show i could talk about it you know so i, I totally get that yeah yeah well, I guess we finally should probably touch on your uh, most recent endeavour with... Uh, our most recent endeavour. Our, our, yeah. So this wild, is, this is where well, also, shows, the yeah. fireworks and all that shit, pyrotechnics. So Octagon MMA. So this is where the gig was reciprocated from Brian to me. And he got he landed this gig with this wicked organisation and went, it's my turn, Josh. We're making a show. I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go. <laughs> but, but you know what? So we, we do this magazine show. And, and again, as soon as they talked to me about doing this content, because it's Octagon is based in, um, at the minute, Slovakia and the Czech Republic, and they've built a huge audience. You saw the arenas, the, yeah, uh, yeah. the shows that they're doing. 
selling out 20,000 seats in Prague, in uh, Slovakia, Bratislava, 10,000 seats in Frankfurt, huge numbers for the, these shows. And they said, right, we wanted, we want this magazine show where we start feeding in, into the mainstream, into some of the, you know, the Western audience. And that's so why, obviously, I, I thought about you straight away, um, about doing it. But then what I've realised has happened, because when I first thought about doing it, I thought, well, I'd like it in a dynamic where I get to talk, but there's somebody there with me. So I, I kind of thought... Same, same, same. <laughs> yeah, but like George, yeah. you know, like George like dejects. Yeah, but this, but the the, uh, the way that I pictured it in my head, because I I imagined that you would be cutting the clips in for. So I, like, I was thinking yeah, about like your live, skill yeah, set. Yeah, yeah. I imagined your skill set as well. But now what I've actually done is taken the CEO of Get Your Media, the guy who does all the big decisions, and I've got him doing skits <laughs> for this MMA promotion. And he just he doesn't he, pre- he looks on the laptop at the fights, but he pretends that he's doing what George <laughs> is actually doing over there. Uh, and so I've somehow I've roped him into to doing this and I only, it only dwelled on me sort of after the last episode when I was watching it back and I was like I've actually just made Josh just, oh, yeah, I was just like so we initially said because it's like oh you know I'll chat to you and we'll sort of talk about it as we go through and I'm like alright and then I'm thinking like from a production standpoint it'd be very dangerous to just chance that I cut at the right time or chance that I've got the right thing to or whatever and I thought no we need to shoot this properly like I need to get all cameras rolling and if we make a mistake we can go back yeah. but in doing that it removes the live element and me, it basically meant that you've just added me as, as a, a co-host so I, of the fucking so podcast so you just like, pretend to press yeah, yeah. yeah it's just it, so we have the camera shot and everything like that. but it, the, 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 the annoying thing is they really like Josh he's a good Josh. foil isn't he he's a good straight man in oh the sense my that, you god know, a, a comedy straight man you know like, I, yeah. I, I've spent ages like coming up with the format for the show <laughs> sorting out the videos you know, making it dynamic and trying to really t- tell a story. Like, think right. If we start here, then we can use this episode to go here and introduce this character here. And all. hours, hours of of painful. And he sits there and says three or four words. It's like a good fight. <laughs> <laughs> I was just turning the party line. Do you know what I mean? You were great. Like, I, it's good. You, but you've asked me for a little bit of a an input. I'll give you it. I'll say yeah. a little bit about fighting. I, I know my place. I just sit back. That's all you needed yeah, from yeah. me, wasn't it? No, well, not, not at all, because you know fighting and, and you've been around MMA as well. And that, that was for me. Again, I thought I'd be getting you to, <laughs> to use some of your skill set as well, because I'm sorry about that. <laughs> this is kind of happening. You just sit in the corner for six hours in a day with me. But um, it's, it's exciting because the, the show's brand new. And it's one that now is hopefully going to get get bigger. They, they've talked to me a little bit about their plans, what they want to do next year, and the platforms they're looking to go on. And uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be a, a fun time. And the show's different; it's very different to yeah, normal. Yeah, it's cool. Isn't it? I mean, like it, we, we've recorded the first two as like pilot episodes, so that's why I didn't go full ham on you know live switching and get everything set up because you didn't know how long you don't know if it's going to last here. You know, it, yeah. it was, let's do it in the traditional production standpoint where we've got full control. But then the, now they're talking about building sets and, you know, like full Ariel Hawani style MMA show. So the Brian's show. And uh, you just named him. That was a name I didn't know. No, he's like, he's like the, the main the, guy. The, the main, main guy. I thought he was doing like, you know, when uh, Sebastian the Crab in uh, <laughs> Little Mermaid, because he's like Ariel. <laughs> Ariel. <laughs> what was he on about? <laughs> <laughs> hey, can you can my lot do a Jamaican? I said Jamaican crab. That's yeah, all. Of course it is. It's, a, it's a cultural appropriation. Now you get yeah. you guys. You must have that as well. You must be thinking, fucking hell, what can I? Especially as a comic, what the fuck do I say? Like you can't make jokes about anything. Anymore. I think it's probably easier as a comic because then it comes under the umbrella it's of it, comedy. It's well, you, you'd think, you'd think, but they, ah, they, everything gets get taken canceled. out. Everything gets taken out of context. And and so I've forgotten who it was who said it. If you're worried about getting cancelled, you've probably already said the thing that will get you cancelled. So they could jump back to a podcast. Uh, two yeah. years ago and go 
this is what you said about this. And you go, yeah, but it was in this context. But yeah, they, yeah. they just take that thing. So, yeah. It's a wild world that we live in now, isn't it? And, 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 uh, Some of it's stupid, right? Yeah, Some absolutely. Is, yeah. But like, you know, we we put ourselves out there every week on a podcast and you try to, like, there's no, there's no, certainly no financial gain from this for us, like, created this podcast. We just fucking opposite, it, mate. I got your bill last yeah. week. <laughs> we, 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 do, we do the accounts of, like, it's cost us a fucking fortune to run this podcast. <laughs> and that's even running out of your studio. It's cost a fortune. But, we do it because we enjoy it and people see, get enjoyment out of it but it's a shame that some can try and turn it into a, a negative. It's, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it is what it is. It's, it's our attempt at, at some form of art. We do come under the umbrella. Don't call it art. Come on now. We picked a category of, of comedy, which I think is not, not quite correct. I think you, pick, you picked that if there's nothing else because it was like, well, you get you. Yeah, it's like, not movies or is it? I mean, you know, what do you pick if it's miscellaneous? You can pick miscellaneous, I guess. Yeah. That's but that puts you in a real wide scope. Oh, it's the heavyweights. Yeah, yeah, like we picked a bad, but we could always change it. Who but. cares, man? I don't give a fuck who I'm right <laughs> to, man. Who gives a shit, man? If people, I'm surprised people are listening. Yeah, but um, I am with your attitude. It sucks, mate. <laughs> Fucking so. Look, you, 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 I just don't even sound happy about <laughs> it. I'm surprised you're listening. There's, there's, Do something better with your life. Turn this off right now. You, go help you, that child that's bleeding that the father's running away from. <laughs> Just go, go do something good with your life. If, if you're co-hosting with Josh for an extended period of time, believe me, you're going to hit this <laughs> hit this trajectory at some point. <laughs> if you're going to wrap this up, I, think, I want to ask him about the couple of fight things. Go on, yeah. I just I thought you were going to forget because you put your laptop no, down. No, no, go on, you're on. He did make that feel like that he's, have, he's had enough, didn't he? Now, yeah, yeah, that was, that was, do you know, like Sorry, when you do parenting. Okay. <laughs> that sometimes. Um, so, yeah, well, I just thought like if we've got a, an MMA expert here, or somebody who's, you know, done commentary and presented on MMA, we should ask about the... That Usman bloke getting shinned in the face. Oh, yeah. Just what your so thoughts that, are on it. That's our second, that's the UK's second champion now, believe it or not, which is a what surprising fact. Oh, you mean in MMA? How do you feel that, went, that fight went down this weekend? Do you know what? Leon, Leon Edwards has been around for so long and the last fight he lost was against that guy. And he's had to work his way back up. And there's always been a thing with Leon Edwards where he's, he's winning fights and he's, you know, getting traction and then that traction disappears because he's not a big talker on the mic. He's not somebody that is, uh, the only controversial stuff has happened. It was with a guy called George Masvidal where he, he went up to him and Masvidal smacked him in the face. And Three pieces. I, like, I like that guy. I mean, I don't know him well enough so I don't want to say I like him in case he's done bad shit but that he's the guy that did the flying uh, knee thing yes. on uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben, ben Askren. That, that bloke who knocked, that, who, he forced me in boxing and he won a uh, clown, uh, clown boxer. Jake Paul. He fought oh, did he fight Jake him? Paul. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, clown boxes. He, he um, so he, he, he did the flying knee on him, didn't he? Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. So I, I, I can join in now. Yeah. That's the. <laughs> <laughs> Should we all hold hands? <laughs> Seriously. Sorry, go. <laughs> what were you saying, George Masvidal? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Leon Edwards, he's he's had to earn that shot. He's fought his way back up mm. there, and oops, there's there's big fights around. So Conor McGregor is somebody everyone knows in mixed martial arts, and he, he's the biggest fight. He's the biggest payday, whether he's won or he's lost or whatever. So Usman was talking about him, talking about going up a weight class to fight for for other belts so you felt this was ne never going to happen and then when they finally signed it there's always that thing of it's got to get to the fight you got all this camp and it's usually like four or five months worth of promotion and training and and stuff happens like fights fall out fairly easy because it's a brutal camp yet alone a brutal fight um but he, he, he to finish it like that to finish it with that sort of you know emphatic way that is for me so and he deserves it it's great and now we've got another uk yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, clips going around from his cornerman, so like his coaches, yeah, like spurring him on. Inspirational, yeah, 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 and yeah. It's, it's nice to see. And yeah, what less than a minute to go? Yeah, he pulls that out of the bag. Was Shoot. he losing the? Was he losing the yeah, fight? Losing, he needed the yeah, knockout. Yeah, nice. 
Yeah, we're losing big shin to the face. Well, that, and he's I, never been knocked out like that on Usman, has he? Never been knocked out like that. And, and the other thing is that will set up the payday. So when you become the champion, everything changes with your contract. You get pay-per-view points. You also get all the additional sponsors. You get... Uh, it, it's massive. So the next payday he will get as the champion... He, he should earn, he should earn, um, the, well, it should be the biggest payday of his life, but that, that will be a rematch, no doubt. Usman was the guy that everyone was saying was on the verge of pound for pound champion. So if he's just knocked him out and it took him to the last minute losing the fight to do it, that'll be the rematch. Everything, the story there again will be massive. And then the, the hopefully the, the, the payday will be too. That's pretty epic, isn't it? I suppose that, that takes us neatly onto, it's not the same exact thing, but somebody that was losing the fight in the last round and needed a Hail Mary to win it, I'm coming out at Anthony Joshua here, which yeah. I just had not boxing, but that just happened at the weekend. What was your take on that? So, I mean, he didn't obviously didn't uh, win with a round. Well, a round that kick would be illegal in boxing, but <laughs> or whatever kind of kick it was. But he, he needed a win. He needed a knockout. And he basically was. It, it would be at. great though if in boxing suddenly there was like there was like a uh, what do you call it like a powerball moment where like <laughs> randomly throughout the fight suddenly weapons dropped in or, or you were allowed to use certain things like different techniques. Um, yeah. But it was like. I kind of feel for Joshua. First of all, I, I, he shouldn't have taken that fight out to Saudi Arabia. He should have been in the UK. When he does, when he does, and he, I get why he did. He gets, he got paid millions. What is 70, 75 million pounds each to, got? to take it to, I, I can't, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's millions just to take it there for them to fight in Saudi Arabia, for them to take it and have it there. Yeah. So the money's there, but I, I think it should have been a fight in the UK. I think it should have been, it would have been huge, absolutely massive. So that, I think that would have changed it. The crowd do affect fights as well that it was, dynamic that we, we seem so quiet you know like one part I, I they're not pissed they're not pissed yeah, yeah. they're really and it matters and it's not I like that. I thought a good thing part about that was I'll sense you right you could hear how normally you can't hear anything can you apart from the crowd yeah you could hear how hard like, on the, some of the undercards they were getting hit and I'm thinking fuck that sounds really I mean I know they hit hard but like did, did you watch um back in lockdown when um Josh Warrington fought um, Lara on the first yeah, fight did, and he got I knocked did. out bad like yeah that was the one you we see got. that yeah. yeah that was savage and again like Warrington's a fighter for the fans isn't he you know like he, he fills up Ellen Road and gets all the squad behind him and then he got knocked out yeah, you know bad. and you watched it on paper you know pay-per-view and you hear every shot it's that was brutal crowd. yeah it's, it's, it's a crazy sport all this stuff is mad that the highs and lows of combat sports is, is ridiculous but um, <clears throat> Joshua took the fight and then again he was doing all the build up where he was saying I'm going to be vicious I'm going to be an animal I'm going to go back to the street type fighting that that, I, that, that, that brought me up and through and he just never got that gear going there was one round where he put Usyk in trouble which I think was like the 8th or the ninth, and then the set next round Usyk came back really hard but Usyk's great I love Usyk I, I'm not going to lie phenomenal. I wanted him to win Yeah, might lose me some subs you know, and all that stuff. People are quite tribal about it, but he just seems wacky. I love that part. We started just broke, we broke out in the song, right? So, in the presser. Yeah, great. And he just seems like he's, he's got some real humility about him as well, which I always love in athletes. You know, if they, if there's one thing that winds me up about people is it's when they, they lose and they, they go on it. You know, like, remember when David Hay did that thing, said, oh, my toe's injured. And it's like, <laughs> oh, oh, come man. on now, man. Come on. Like, just take your medicine. So <laughs> you'll probably get another rematch if you wanted one, you know, like. Mike Tyson, when he said, he bro I broke my back. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, but I don't want to, he's one guy I don't want to antagonize. <laughs> you never know. I might go on a plane with him yeah, one that's day. That's right, he might turn around and do you over. That's it. But it's now ruined the, the Tyson fight. 
fight, I think, because Tyson Fury is, um, I, I don't think he's going to come out of retirement. He's a bellend as well, though. When he, say, <laughs> he says I'm retired, right? And then, then, then he's like, the, the, as soon as the fight's on, he's all over fucking Twitter. He's saying, oh, first, first of all, he's saying like, I'm going for everyone today. He's, he's saying like, <laughs> I'm retired. You can't get me back. Then he's saying, oh, I'll come back, but it's got to be on free to air TV for everyone. Now I want paying half a billion quid. Like, now I'm retired again. Like, make your mind up, man. That's what I hate about boxing. And I, it's probably, it seems less of a problem. I think it's why MMA is kind of on the grow so much because it seems like they all really care about winning that, you know, they're really hungry. Whereas in boxing, you get people like, I'm not dissing Mayweather or anything. I might have names to that. <laughs> but you know when they're talking about money all the time, yeah. I get that's a motivation. It's a hard way to earn a living, especially if you're a journeyman, right? And you're doing yeah. lots of fights and you don't get that, those mega paydays. But when everything is about uh, it's about money and then you, you can see them avoiding each other just so they can get a bigger payday when maybe they come together at the end. It's like, could you, you couldn't imagine someone like Mike Tyson doing that. Dude, I think he would have fought like anyone for a fucking corned beef sandwich. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I just... Yeah, and that's what I hate about it. I think I feel like yeah, everyone wanted to see that, didn't they? The, the yeah. Fury AJ thing yeah, yeah, yeah. way back when. And if money's not an object and it's not to these promoters and stuff, just make, just do it, you know. But, but they've got horses in different camps. So what you basically the, the difference between <clears throat> um, boxing and MMA. Boxing they've got so many different belts. So you have like Usyk has now five heavyweight belts, and they're all under different promotions, different promoters, and the it's. It, it's, it's the bad bit about boxing is you, the fight you want, it might not be the, the fighters that don't make the fight happen. It's the two promoters. It's the business side of it. It's whatever deals go on behind the, the closed doors. So it's, um, it's, it's infuriating and that's no, no pun intended, but that, that the, the biggest British fight that could have happened and it would have been two years ago yeah. would be AJ versus Fury. And it should have just been on the table, Battle of Britain, boom. I, I like the name for the last one. What was it? Rage on the Red Sea. I didn't like it. I'm just being ironic. It was like really shit. I thought Rage on the Red Sea. Someone got paid to think of that. I know. Somebody got some dude a corporate office yeah. tied to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh fuck! I'm gonna call this one again. Yeah. It's, it's not like Rumble in the Jungle. You get that. You know, yeah. Thriller in Manila. Rage on the Red Sea. Yeah. No, Stephen. Put that put <laughs> idea back in the box. I don't know why. They, I don't know why the market poor marketing guy's called Stephen in my head, but you know. Ryan, let's wrap this up then. So where can people find you? If, if any of our four listeners want to find you on social media. You can, you can get us on at uh, Brian. That's Brian with a Y Lacey MMA. You can check out the uh, Octagon Hype show that we're doing for Octagon. If you want to look at what Octagon are doing across Europe now, that's on their Octagon uh, MMA Europe, uh, sorry, UK and Ireland channel. Um, and yeah, those sort of spots, mate. Do we get some free tickets to the next, you, the next big one? Y- yes. Oh, cool. I like, <laughs> that'd, that'd be sick, wouldn't Without it? Without a doubt, yeah. seriously, because I want to get, like we've talked about it. You've seen the shows we talk about yeah. it now. I want to get people to see and we want to bring shows over, over to the UK. So when they do, front and centre, there will be a, a hairy okay. chair waiting for you, my friend. It's, oh, great. It is it. actually unbelievable when you look at the production and, and it looks it's, like, it's like beyond UFC. I'm like, fucking hell, you know. Compared, it, especially yeah. like British promotions, like a smaller, like a smaller, yeah. you, can't, you can't even compare. Not even close. No. Not so, even close. Right, mate, let's call it a draw. Been real, really enjoyed that one, man. Thanks Thank for coming you, on. Thank you, appreciate it. Appreciate That was a nice one. There we go. And a fist bump. Cheers, I, don't like be, I don't like to be too... People that have got wet handshakes, I don't like, I don't want to, I don't know my own strength, you know, sometimes I might crush your hand, you never know. Oh, God, <laughs> snap you in half. Right, catch you on the next one. Peace.